Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name is Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the pod. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It feels weird to say that because we're recording before Christmas, but we are futuristically thinking here. So when you hear this, listeners, it will be the new year. In which case, a happy new year will be warranted. We're going to start off our conversation today with shit that was hard this week. And we think that might be our recurring place we'll always start because we're about getting into the real and the hard here on the pod and having your own business is not always rainbows and butterflies. So Morgan, what was hard this week? First off, I love this check-in topic. I think having this be a recurring check-in topic will be fabulous because this is a, a place for us to share all the shitty stuff that happens as entrepreneurs. The shitty thing that happened to me this week is actually happened last Friday for the first time when we were recording. And that is my laptop started malfunctioning this week, where anytime that I opened my laptop beyond kind of the halfway point to get it fully open, the screen would just go black. So if you're watching YouTube, I'm currently sitting on my bed, which is not my usual place to record a podcast because I had to mail in my laptop. I actually kept my old laptop from college at my parents' house, drove out, grabbed that, realized that the hardware for Wi-Fi isn't installed on this laptop, which how that happened, I have no clue. So I'm plugged into an Ethernet port and I am not able to reach my desk with the Ethernet cable. So I'm sitting on my bed recording this podcast. I thought you just wanted to be comfy. (laughs) That too. It's not, not Not a bad thing. I can't believe, I can't even envision which computer you have that is an ethernet computer, but that's awesome. That past Morgan set you up to have a backup. So pat on the back for past Morgan. Way to go. Look at this future planning right there. That's what, that's what this is. What about you? What was shitty for you this week? (sighs) What was shitty for me this week? I was trying to think as you were talking, which is hard because one track mind, but I think it's more of what's coming after the holidays that's going to be hard. And that's really on my mind. So we're in a lot of transitions at my group practice, Nourished Colorado. And one of the big ones we're doing right now is switching EHRs, electronic health record. And I think I always underestimate how much time and space different transitions need. And we're in it right now. And me and my assistant are kind of like, fuck. Um, we're, we're going for that January 3rd start, which is the first Monday in January. And it is currently the 23rd that we are recording. So basically after the holidays, that was going to take up a lot of my capacity and time. And I'm kind of just in like a little bit of a dread state about it, but it's going to be fine. And if that's the worst thing that is on my mind this week, it's not a bad week. That's a pretty big undertaking though. I could see why that would, uh, 
not feel very fun right now. Literally, I've been thinking about it since July and I was like, fuck, we got to wait for a new year or else it's just going to be a mess. And then it's like, oh no, it's going to be a mess either way. So sending all the good vibes your way. Thank you. Thank you. But not to be too much of downers because what we're here to talk about today is giving you a pep talk for the new year, you bosses. Yes. We have four tips to start the new year off with the bang for entrepreneurs. And before we dive into those, we want to give a disclaimer of this is to encourage you. We're your coaches. We're bigging you up right now. It is not to make you feel guilt or shame if you don't feel prepared for the new year or the shoulds you might be saying to yourself about like, if I would have done this, then by the new year, I could do this because any day, any week can be a fresh start or a launch or anything you need. And we just want to record you an episode that whether it's in the new year or somewhere down the line, when you're trying to start something, you can come back to and know we're here for it. And we got some tips. How we do. Yeah. This is four tips for starting the new year or literally anytime you need to hit the restart button. Let's dive into it. So the first tip that we want to share is challenging the idea, the self-limiting belief that if someone else is offering a similar service or product that you then should not offer that. Ooh, that's a good one. Tell us why you picked that. Yep. I picked it because I feel like in the niche that we're in, we would all consider ourselves weight-inclusive clinicians. And whenever you start seeing other people, mainly on social media, but also if you're checking out other people's websites or networking with them, it's really easy to fall into that comparison trap of, well, so-and-so already has a group or already has a practice and niche where they're working with high school athletes. And I really love working with them, but someone's already doing that. So I don't need to be doing that. And I think that is just... I don't even think I know that that's not the case because every single one of us have our own lived experiences, our own education, our own continuing education, our own knowledge that we bring into session that is going to make you the right fit for certain clients and not someone else who from the outside looking in is doing the same thing as you. And one of my favorite examples to give with this can, so we can zoom out and not be so in our own industry is looking at the industry of wedding photographers, because there are so many wedding photographers out there. And if you have had to choose a wedding photographer, or when you're thinking about choosing a wedding photographer, if you ever get married one day, you're going to be attracted to someone that has verbiage that you like, style that you like, an office or packages that you like. Maybe they're really well-known for travel and you want to have a destination wedding. There's so many differentiating factors between those photographers that you're going to be attracted to one of them the most. And the same thing happens for our industry as dietitians, therapists, physicians, psychiatrists, whatever, that we have our own unique things that we're bringing to the table. Absolutely. I like that you're specifically naming the fears that you hear from people or could imagine that they have. And when I think about these things, I, I encourage people to think logically. And sometimes that's like with data and numbers. So even if somebody's doing your niche, 
They're in the same town as you. They're taking the same insurances as you. Literally, if you're a clinician, a PT, any kind of helping professional, you literally only have the capacity to take so many clients. And I would say, if you're a clinician, average is like, if you're only doing clinical work, 23 to 24 a week, that leaves a whole host of other people that need care and support. And so it can't just be one clinician that has that one specialty that everyone goes to. It doesn't make any sense. It's not realistic. The wait list would be so long. And you yourself have something incredible and different to offer. And you just, you just got to start. You just got to do it. Absolutely. From a branding perspective, since that's kind of my niche, I would say this is one of the benefits of having what I like to call an ideal client avatar, which the way that I like to describe it is a character in a movie that you build out. Name them, give them a personality, give them pain points, give them a a social life, give them their family life. And being able to envision the other person on the side of the screen that's interacting with you whenever they come across your marketing material Because if you're talking to that one specific person and really honing in on their pain points, it leaves a lot less room to compare yourself because you know the exact type of client that you're trying to attract to your practice. Absolutely. And it goes back to the grass not being greener on the other side and focusing on your own garden. When we're pulled to look at what other people are doing and comparing ourselves and wondering like, we're offering the same thing. Why would someone choose me? That's not doing any productive work towards actually bringing the clients into your practice. And so how can you create your messaging and the ways that clients find you to connect with your clients versus wondering what other people are doing? Absolutely. So tip number one, check yourself whenever you start comparing yourself and know that you have incredible gifts to bring to the clients that are meant to work with you. Tip number two, Schedule in intentional time for dreaming and scheming. I love that that rhymes. We're smiling because we're definitely going to get shirts made with that on one day. That's going to be our new merch. And it's so fitting to both of us as well of dreaming and scheming. And I imagine if you're listening to this, it probably relates to you too. Sometimes I wish I could just dream and scheme all day. Like just come up with all the ideas and play it out in my head, but then never execute. (laughs) I am right there with you. That is my dream life. Like, let me strategize all this and then pass it off to someone else to bring it all to life. Absolutely. We're both visionaries, which has been awesome and good challenges for us with executing a podcast. So, but yes, scheduling that intentional time. Why is that important to schedule it? In the day-to-day, we are most likely getting caught up in working in the business. And when when we're working in the business, we don't have time to then look at the bird's eye view and see where we actually want to go. So having that intentional time set out during the week to work on the business helps us in pushing our goals further and making sure we're reaching the goals that we have set for ourselves. I This was one of the best things that I've done for whenever I quit my full-time job and started working for myself when I made my schedule. My Wednesdays are my flex days. If you've listened to any episode before this, you know it because I share it all the time. What that is for me is intentional time to not be sitting at my computer all day where it provides space for me to have my head in the clouds, for me to think about what's to come, for me to review 
what my quarterly rocks are, what I want to accomplish. And it helps me stay on track because I look at what I want to accomplish that quarter. Then I narrow it down into of the three months this quarter, what do I want to accomplish this month? And that's still pretty big picture stuff that I'm then able to go and break down into what do I need to get done by the end of the week for for the next four weeks. And so having that intentional time allows you to just breathe, step out of the business, all of the emotions that come with running a business, and just allow you to keep your, not eye on the prize. I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my mind. but kind of your eye on the prize of where you want to be in a few years. If you're working for yourself, like there's other personal values, hopes, and dreams that you're now going to be able to achieve with the freedom and flexibility of being an entrepreneur. So getting to keep those in check and reflect on what you're doing in order to reach those goals. Absolutely. Okay. So tell us what kind of things can somebody do specifically in their dreaming and scheming time versus what they should not do in that time? Like what is working on the business versus working in the business? That's a great question. I usually head to a coffee shop that I know will be a source of inspiration. So I would say making sure you're in an environment that doesn't feel like work. So if you have an office space, don't have this time being in your office space, get out somewhere, whether that's going for a walk, going to sit at a park, going to a coffee shop, something other than the day-to-day norm. Within that, for me, I usually write down my five personal values and then just do a little bit of a brain dump of what kind of things am I working on or what kind of things do I want to implement in my business that are in alignment with those values. It looks different every time. I really tried to streamline this process the beginning of the year and it didn't work. I always start with my five values. That's a given. But sometimes it looks like mantras that I need for the week. Sometimes it looks like manifesting what I want my life to look like and just rewriting what my three-year personal vision is to keep that in check and keep me motivated. Sometimes it's walking around uh, the neighborhood that I live in because it's my dream to live there one day and the houses are really fucking expensive. And so even just walking around in that area of like, I want to own a house here one day and that's encouraging me to then build out the business. What does it look like for you? Sorry, I was just giggling because I'm imagining the people living in those houses watching you through the window and they're like, there's Morgan again, drinking her iced latte and... um being creepy in the neighborhood. Probably. Probably. (laughs) I walk around there a lot. I'm just kidding. I love it. I love looking at like old houses and, um, thinking about living in them. Although I'm one of those people who really doesn't have a lot of stuff, doesn't want to stuff. I feel like if you have a big, beautiful house and I'm painting a picture of what these houses actually look like, I'm imagining old homes. I feel like you got to have a lot of stuff to like in each room. And so I like the idea of the old house, but when I think about me actually doing that, I'm like, uh, that would be a lot of upkeep. I definitely have to collect more things. I'm currently in 360 square feet, which is incredible. That's like an Ikea spread. I think about the rooms at Ikea. It's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Okay. So like visionary time essentially is what we're speaking to with dreaming and scheming. What I like to do in that time is I guess actually, can I speak to the things that 
shouldn't be done in that time that I used to do in that time? Absolutely. Okay, cool. (laughs) So for me, Mondays are my visionary time, the first half of Mondays and also a few hours in the morning on Tuesdays. By the end of the week, I'm just like, nope, no brain space to dream. I like to start my week off with a slow start, intentional. So that's when I'm doing my dreaming and scheming. In that time, I used to answer emails repetitively, like check my email, scroll through social media, see what other people are doing and just being pulled in so many directions. And that is not using the dreaming and scheming time effectively at all. It doesn't give you the blank space to see what your brain comes up with. You're just kind of consuming other people's content. And sometimes that can be helpful, right? Listening to an inspirational podcast or listening to an audiobook about business, that can be part of your dreaming and scheming time. But when it kind of falls into what we were talking about with number one of comparing and seeing what other people are doing and not focusing on yourself, not helpful in dreaming and scheming time. At all. I'm right there with you. I deleted email off my phone because I noticed I was going and clicking on it every single morning, like before I even got out of bed. And then on Wednesdays, I don't open my email until at least like 2 p.m. most days, most Wednesdays. I love that. That's brilliant. And the first few times that I did it, anxious as fuck. I was like, oh my God, I'm missing things. My clients need me. Such an emergency. What fires do I need to put out? But with that intentional dreaming and scheming time, you have to protect that brain space. Absolutely. I think it's so helpful that you named how hard it is to do this. I feel that every morning when I'm like, I really shouldn't grab my phone and scroll through TikTok. And then sometimes it's just a very automatic, like pulling out my phone, scrolling, checking my email. And all of a sudden 30 minutes goes by and I'm like, oh, I feel like shit. And it's the same thing when you're trying to use that time intentionally for dreaming and scheming. Yep. Tip number two, schedule intentional dreaming and scheming time for you and your business to work on your business and not in your business. Absolutely. And that's the time to really look at those big long-term goals that might feel like a feat to get to. And so tip number three is actually set some goals, like short-term goals that help you get to those big goals. And so the importance of goals and I interchangeably want to use the word intentions with goals because sometimes goals can be definitive of like, if I don't get this done by the end of the month, I suck. It's used as a tool of criticism and judgment. And that's not what we're doing here, but we do want to set some intentions so that we have a direction to keep us in alignment with our vision. It's the idea of direction all as entrepreneurs, we're pulled in so many different directions, whether it's putting out fires or having all these ideas, chasing a shiny thing, wanting to have our hand in all the cookie jars, like Morgan says, and being directional can make us feel directionless because we just get overwhelmed and don't even know where to start and get into analysis paralysis. So we do need to find some direction and some focus. When setting goals or intentions, I think it's important to think about what is actually realistic. I know for me, I can pull out one of those line sticky notes and fucking write for days what I intended to get done. And like not even make a scratch on it and then feel like, ugh, dang, what happened today where I didn't get the things done? And a lot of the time, I'm a time optimist. I think I can squeeze in more things than I can. And I feel like you have to go through that to know 
what you actually can accomplish versus setting yourself up for failure. Something I actually am taking from one of my employees, Meg, who's awesome, is the idea of three. So for her, she kind of framed it in like, I need to do three things a day. Here's my big three. I'm going to get them done. Anything else is a bonus, but three things I can handle that. And I want to take that a little step further if you like numbers and like having that intention of these are the goals I can get done. So, what are three things that you need to do today? What are three things that are going to get done this week? Three things that are going to be done this month. And how are those all going to push you towards those quarterly goals? I think it takes some time of practice and really prioritizing what those goals should be. Because let's say you have like a big launch, you're going to launch an online course. That's your quarter one goal. Well, maybe the three things in a day are going to be like, I'm going to sign up for Teachable and I'm going to start the outline for my course. And that actually might be two really big things. Um, But you'll decide over time as you're thinking about the different goals and steps that lead you to that vision. And you'll be able to decipher like what is doable in a day versus what needs to be the intention of the week. And with goals, I'm actually going to pause because I see Morgan putting her face in here like I have something to say. So Morgan, what's on your mind as I'm talking about goals? The thing that's on my mind when talking about goals that I, I have always felt but never know how to verbalize until you just said that is I feel like the daily tasks are those little micro tasks that everyone wants to write down and they feel so good when they cross them off because it's like quick little five minute wins. And if it is something bigger than that, maybe it's a weekly goal that you then break down into five smaller tasks that you get done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh my God. Yes. I love it. That makes sense. The the goals each day are kind of the small tasks that lead you to the bigger goal. And then the goals that add up over the four or five weeks of the month are even taking you to a bigger goal and deciding what those small, like you said, five minute things are that can be done during the day that lead you to the week. Awesome. I also love it. So I, whenever I was using a paper planner, I was using the full focus planner and they outline it in a way where you have your big three that you get done that day. And then you can have the rest of your to-do list. And I will say, I feel like I always struggled because part of me is like, I want those big three to be the tougher things that I need to get done that day the ones that are a little more time consuming, but then the days where I could wake up and each of my big three or my big three, those days were five minute tasks. And I could crank those out in 15 minutes while my coffee was brewing. And I started my day instantly checking off those big three made me feel a lot better and more productive the rest of the day. How do you function? How does that work for you? Well, (laughs) I am still in process. And I think I'll always be in process of how to structure my goals. And that's why I'm excited for a new year. And that's why I was like, yep, got to add this to the list because this is something I'm really setting intention around with starting off the year, right. With goals is actually figuring out what the big three even mean for me for the day and how I can be okay with, if they do take me 15 minutes, because I almost feel that pressure sometimes of like, well, shit, if I did those three in 15 minutes, what else can I crank out today? But then fires come up during the day. Other things need to be done. Haven't vacuumed in three weeks. And there's like Bennett fluff everywhere. And, you know, you just get pulled into life. And so 
I think the way I want to function is being okay with the long game and just getting that three in anything else is a bonus. Nothing else has to happen. And some days the three won't happen. That's just how it goes. How it goes sometimes. And the last part of setting these big three in whatever capacity feels good to you is add deadlines. And the reason I say this is what you might find is if you don't get it done, if there wasn't a deadline, it gets moved to the next day and the next day. And all of a sudden it's in the next month. And all of a sudden you're like, nope, can't do it this quarter. And then you push it off. And then you're like, oh shit, what did I do? And so when we have that deadline and the fire under us, that's when we can do beautiful work and actually get those intentions done. I'd even go as far to say, add the deadline and tell someone else about the deadline. Ooh. Accountability buddies. We love accountability. Because I get into the bad habit where I set deadlines for myself while I'm in a space of being a time optimist. (laughs) And then it's really easy in Asana, the task management software I use to just go in and like push the date back a little bit. But whenever someone else needs something from me or I've told someone I'm launching this on this day, it's much easier to stick to those deadlines. Yes. And you'll know the difference in the times where there can be flexibility of like, oh shit, I really had to prioritize this other thing. And then you'll see the times where you're like, yeah, I just kept procrastinating and I found myself in my inbox a lot that week and I kept pushing this off. Let me be curious about that and how I can hold myself accountable in a kind, curious, non-judgmental way. Or why you're procrastinating and if it's a project you actually want to work on. Ooh, yeah. Cool. And this leads us to our last tip, which is stop getting in your own way. Whether that's not taking accountability in a kind way for sticking to deadlines, whether it's imposter syndrome that has you spiraling and puts you in that analysis paralysis mode of why, why should I do this? Someone else is doing this. Who am I to do this? And getting lost in those thoughts rather than taking action. Um, Getting in your own way can also look like not prioritizing, which is so easy to fall into that trap of not being able to prioritize with being pulled in all the directions. And that's where comes back to looking at your big three, looking at your goals and also stop getting in your own way with the criticism, the self-doubt, the judgmental thoughts, the shoulds, because that's just a distraction. And is it helpful? No. Whenever you find yourself going into any of those and getting in your own way, what have you found to be helpful to pull yourself out of that? I like that you're asking this question because you're assuming that I do feel this way and I get in my own way. And that is fucking true. I am one of the, and I think that's why we made this list, right? Because we've been there, we get into those spaces and we'll continue to dabble in and out of those spaces because that's just being a human. It doesn't matter how quote unquote successful you are. Things can trigger you. Things can bring you back into those spaces. So the way that I get in my own way the most is not prioritizing and not staying focused. Part of that is having ADHD. And part of that is being a chronic procrastinator because things like checking my email and social media tell my brain I'm being productive when I'm actually not. And so the way that I get out of that is I actually... If I'm, let's say I'm scrolling through social media and I notice I'm doing that, 
I'll literally like throw my phone under my pillow. Cause you know, it's usually when I'm like on my stomach laying in bed and I'm like, do, do, do scroll. And then I'm like, Ugh, I feel like I could have used this time for something else. Frustration, but not self-judgment throw my phone and then I get up and move. So whether I go for a walk around the block or I just change my environment and change task, that really helps pull me out of it. Because sometimes when you recognize you're in it, you can just be like, eh, keep scrolling, which is getting in your own way. What about you? I'm over here nodding. I do the same thing. I have to change spaces, whether that's going outside, whether that's going for a walk, whether that's going to get an afternoon coffee or a morning coffee, depending on when it happens, like just getting out. And it's kind of like a midday reset for me whenever I have to go through that, because it does, it happens to all of us, regardless of how many books we've read and courses we've taken and podcasts we've listened to about how to be best, the best entrepreneur we can be. We're human. We're going to fall into those patterns. I would say the ones that I struggle with or get into the most are comparison trap. Mm, mm-hmm. For sure. Usually when that happens, I will journal and reflect on my five personal values. I know I've mentioned that a bunch. I keep going back to those because I know that the per- I know that the people that I'm comparing myself to probably have very different personal values than I do. So checking in on my own and knowing that what I'm doing is helping me live in alignment with those. And yeah, changing the environment. I would say comparison trap is one. The other one is prioritizing my time. New projects are always way more fun for me to work on. Having to do things that are monotonous fucking suck. (laughs) So usually whenever I'm having a hard time prioritizing, what I have found to be most helpful for that is meeting up with a friend at a coffee shop who's also working on their own stuff. There's something about being in a coffee shop environment where everyone has their own headphones on cranking shit out and you don't, but you don't have to be social, but you're around other people. Absolutely. I think the other one that I really struggle with when it comes to getting in my own way is imposter syndrome. Sometimes I think that really comes up for me in business coaching. I'll be honest because, you know, I've been doing it for two years now. I help group practice owners build their values-based group. And sometimes I'm like, who am I to do this? Like who let me do this? And sometimes it's in a fun, playful way, but other times I'm like, oh gosh, like, am I providing value? Am I helping people build their groups in the way that they want? Like, what does my work even mean? And to help me get out of my own way, I kind of take inventory of the people I have helped and what that actually looks like and the tangible evidence that shows I'm being helpful. And I think about people who have hired multiple employees this year and people who have shared wins with me and thanked me for my work with them. And it kind of brings me back down from the existential feelings that come with imposter syndrome. And that's how I get out of my own way. I'm curious because this comes up for me a lot. I feel like for a handful of years, like between my dietetic internship and maybe like six months ago, people liked to comment on my age a lot Mm. of being an entrepreneur and doing this type of work, being in my twenties. So young quotes, air quotes. Yes. And that fucked with my head. I think back to whenever I was in my 
early to mid twenties and like we're sevens, we're optimists. The world is our oyster mentality, right? And something in that shifted over the last few years as more people made comments about Mm. being young. And I'm going to name that for imposter syndrome. Whenever I think about the, the service I'm providing or products I'm providing, I feel really good about them. And then I think about my age and I'm like, am I too young to be doing this? Mm. Have you ever felt that? Yep. Yep. It's funny too, because there's privilege too in starting young and being a young entrepreneur. 100%. And then there's also the not feeling like you're taking seriously, which then feeds into imposter syndrome. And then there's other layers too, of like not being old white men that feed into imposter syndrome, because that's the representation we see of people being entrepreneurs. So yes, I think I've learned to separate that because I have built up my confidence and because I've been in it for a while. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur in the weight inclusive space for next year will be five years, which is just fucking insane. And so I think because now I have some of that time under me, I'm like, yep, I'm rocking it out. And I love being here and I am an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you're feeling that too, of that ageism, reverse ageism, almost, we feel it too. And you should definitely keep pushing through because just because you're young doesn't mean you don't have a shit ton of value to bring to the space. And I would also argue it works the other way too, of people thinking they're too old or that they've passed the time where they can start a business or be an entrepreneur. And to that, I say, fuck that as well. Absolutely. So those are our four tips to start the new year with a bang. If you're an entrepreneur, our little pep talk, screw self-limiting beliefs that you can't offer the same thing that someone else does. Make sure you schedule intentional dreaming and scheming time, set goals, especially focusing on those big three and stop getting in your own way. We are here for your weight inclusive business. We're cheering you on. You fucking got this 2022 is going to be an incredible year. It's going to be hard and good. And let's make some moves in your business. We are here for it. If you ever need a pep talk, reach out to us on Instagram. Happy to send you a little voice note, encouraging you from either Houston or Denver or wherever we are at the time. If you like this episode, make sure you go and leave us a review over on Spotify or Apple and we'll see you next week. See you next week. 